weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post reorg in European and CMA markets. It's Tuesday, February the 21st. I'm Caterina Dassé. Coming up this week, Leverage Finance reporter Beatrice Mavroleon will discuss UK property search and price comparison company Zupla, which faces maturities in 2025 and 2026. Deputy editor Aurelia Seidhofer will chat about Dutch plastic container producer Scholler, which has seen its 2024 notes yield 34% as investors worry about refinancing risk. And finally, reporter Andrew Ross will join us to talk about an increase in mid-sized construction firms entering insolvency in the UK. Hi Beatrice, you have been covering Zoopla Property Group, or ZPG. Could you please tell us what's going on with the company? Pieces of ZPG's debt have traded over recent weeks. The group is also facing maturities in 2025 and 2026, and advisors are thought to be circling. So has the company been performing badly? ZPG's price comparison service, U-Switch, experienced disappointing performance throughout 2022, although this seems to be improving. U-Switch enables customers to compare prices for a range of energy, personal finance, insurance and communication services. However, the UK energy price cap, which sets a maximum price that suppliers can charge for each kilowatt hour, resulted in less use of energy price comparison services. What about the company's property platform business? While depressed property market activity may have some negative impact on ZPG's property platform business, Supla, the impact is largely indirect, as real, real estate agents pay regular fees to be able to use the platform, regardless of, of transaction volumes. However, estate agents under a, a severe amount of stress could potentially seek to renegotiate their fees with Zoopla. And have there been any recent performance updates? The company recently published a budget providing ambitious forecasts for EBITDA growth and margin expansion. However, however, one investor said that there's very little intrinsic difference between ZPG and its peers' offerings. And beyond that, the price comparison market is, is very crowded, which means that Zoopla depends heavily on marketing to maintain brand awareness. Barriers to entry are low and leverage is relatively high, with interest costs expected to increase. However, cash generation is strong and sponsor Silver Lake, which acquired the company in 2018, contributed a significant amount of equity to the deal. And Beatrice, where is the debt trading? The company's Euro term loan B2 due in August 2025 is quoted at 92.93.3. The Sterling term loan B due in, also due in August 2025 is quoted at 91.92.4. And the second lien facility due in June of 2026 is quoted at 75.77.7. Aurelia, we've seen interest about the Dutch plastic container producer Scholler increasing in recent weeks because the 250 million euros notes due 2024 are yielding about 34%. Can you tell me a bit more about the company and why the yield on the notes is uh, relatively high? Hi, Kat. Uh, yes, indeed, there's been a bit of an uptick in interest in Schöller, mainly because the yield is relatively high and as the notes mature in November 2024, and the RCF in May 2024, um, people are thinking about how the company will refinance and expect 
the company to um, and the sponsor of the company, Brookfield, to start addressing um, these maturities at some point this year. The company itself uh, makes a wide range of plastic containers, so to transfer food, for example, beverages or pharmaceutical uh, products and all sorts of stuff, basically. Um, they can be quite small um, and handheld, or they also have large containers to transport bulky items. And what are the main reasons for the bonds quoted at depressed levels? Well, for a start, the third quarter results were not great, with EBITDA collapsing um, by about 55% year over year to only 8.3 million. And that was driven by deferred and cancelled orders um, at a time when the raw material resin uh, started to fall and negatively impacted the value of the inventory. And a main concern of investors I've spoken to uh, was also inconsistent cash flow generation. So if we look at the LTM September period, for example, levered uh, free cash burn amounted to um, almost 63 million, uh, which was driven by the drop in EBITDA, um, an increase in CapEx and some working capital outflows. Um, but if you look historically, um, Basically, with the exception of fiscal year 2020, Schiller has burned cash after net capex since 2017, um, looking at our agridium calculations. I see, Aurelia, but uh, what are other factors? Um, what other factors are investors looking at when uh, assessing the refinancing risk of that bond? Yeah, so I think a key question here is how should we value this business? Um, some investors I spoke to uh, said they would use a 5.5 multiple, um, which would be about 300 million, taking an EBITDA of between 50 million and 55 million. But that would then barely cover the debt. Um, so that wouldn't really um, make the case for an equity investment by the sponsor Brookfield um, to support the refinancing. Um, and when our analysts looked at the average um, EV and EBITDA multiples for container and packaging, as well as paper packaging companies, they arrived at um, a 5.8 multiple. So that's pretty similar. But on the other hand, uh, a recent merger between uh, a Dutch SPAC and the Kapka Group, uh, which actually has a really similar business to Schiller, valued uh, Kapka at about eight times. So um, uh, that would look a lot more positive. And uh, actually, Kapka has also said that they would be looking to maybe do some M&A. And in some ways, you could argue that uh, maybe Scheller could be a target for that. So in some ways, it's not super clear. Some investors also believe the sponsor would be supportive of Schiller um, because they have historically supported the company with shareholder loans during COVID and also to fund CapEx related to the rental business they are ramping up at the moment. So it seems quite a binary situation then. Or do you think operational improvements could drive significant deleveraging, perhaps? Well, some investors think there should be some operational improvements um, going into the first and second quarters and the rest of the year because customers can't really defer orders forever and uh, the negative effects that I mentioned earlier from the raw material price changes, they are likely to abate as well. 
And then the, the plant uh, carve out of the rental business um, that could also reduce capex and improve liquidity. Um, so there could be a bit of an inflow uh, from that. Um, but whether there's enough to bring leverage down to support the refinancing is a bit difficult to say. Um, and additionally, the story of the carve out, um, the impact is also not um, not only positive in a way, because obviously um, then Schiller would also lose out on EBITDA generation from that part of the business. So that's where we are, and we'll keep following the situation and see how it develops. Thank you, Aurelia. Hi, Andrew. Earlier this week, you wrote about the UK construction sector, highlighting an increase in solvencies for mid-sized firms. What's going on on here? Well, the high rate of insolvency in the UK construction sector is news to nobody. However, to date, most of the companies in trouble have been small firms. But we are now starting to see an increase in uh, middle market firms entering administration, such as Tolland PLC, Metnor Construction, Daco Construction and SNI Groundworks, which have all entered administration this year. So after doing some number crunching with data from the UK Insolvency Service, it does indeed appear that um, the data really backs the view that this is a growing trend. So what does the data show? Well, the first thing is that insolvencies in the UK for the construction sector as a whole jumped 61% year over year to 4,160 in 2022. Compared with pre-pandemic levels in 2019, 2022 saw a 29% rise in construction insolvencies. Now, historically, around 60% of construction insolvencies are among specialist contractors that tend to be smaller sized firms um, and that has rem- that has remained true over the last 12 to 18 months however since the third quarter of 2022 the fastest rates of growth in insolvencies have been among main contractors in the fourth quarter of 2022 for example main contractor insolvencies increased 43% year over year and specialist contractor insolvencies were up 19% year over year And so why is this change emerging, Andrew? Well, insolvencies among specialist contractors began increasing sharply at the end of 2021, which corresponds with a period of intense inflationary pressures relating to rising fuel, energy and commodity prices, adding to existing cost uh, pressures from material shortages um, experienced immediately after the COVID-19 related lockdowns and long running labour shortages. In construction, those at the bottom of the supply chain are squeezed the hardest as issues are passed on to the next link, which is why insolvencies were initially concentrated among specialists. In addition, for those working on fixed price contracts, these are likely to have been signed up to before the rapid uh, uptick in inflation, meaning a subsequent huge squeeze on margins. However, with 202 specialists per month becoming insolvent in 2022 on average versus an average of 125 per month in 2021, those higher up in the supply chain are also facing a higher risk of balance sheets being damaged beyond repair, not just from higher costs, but the impact of bad debts left by those that have already collapsed. Thank you, Andrew. Join Reorg on Monday, February the 27th, at 11 a.m. GNT for a webinar on Matalan's prospect following its restructuring and how quickly the company can bounce back 
from last year's collapse in earnings. Also on Monday, February 27th at 8 a.m. GMT, you can join Reorg for a discussion on Vedanta Resources, among India's uh, largest high-yield issuers and one of the most volatile Asian credits. As we consider its funding gap, prospective financing plans, the potential THL Zing-related party transaction, and the issuance-slash-credit structure of the U.S. bonds, register now at Rior.com or email marketing at Rior.com for further information. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience. So please take a moment to complete the short survey at the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. Also, more information on all the situations and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next Tuesday for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening.